With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hi, this is Chris Myers. For more than three decades, I've covered some of the biggest events in sports and talked with some of the most fascinating personalities. But now I want to invite you to join me for my new podcast, CMI, the Chris Myers interview on Podcast One. Covered a lot of events, World Series, Red Sox, White Sox breaking through at their time. The Super Bowl as recently as Mahomes and the Chiefs coming back against the 49ers. I was there to grab Brady after he had that tremendous comeback against the Falcons in the Super Bowl and some tough times, the 89 Earthquake World series that rocked the Bay Bridge and first to talk to O.J. Simpson live after both of his trials and on the air through the 1996 Atlanta Olympic bombings, informing people as best we could at the time. We'll go in-depth on stories past, present, and future to the effect of the world of sports and everybody in and around it, from current athletes, Hall of Famers, and some people you and I know. Hope you tune in to CMI, the Chris Myers interview on Apple Podcast, Podcast One, and Spotify. I don't know about you guys, but I find myself trying to find new ways to entertain myself. And generally that means betting on things, but even like the normal betting can get boring at times. So Monkey Knife Fight, monkeyknifefight.com is kind of the answer to my prayers because they have so many different types uh, of prop games to play that it's, it's like inexhaustible, honestly, especially for the NBA playoffs. And for the NFL, it's going to be the same thing. And with Monkey Knife Fight, we've got a pretty sweet deal for you. So if you go to Monkey Knife Fight, deposit $20, use promo code PFF, you get a free PFF Edge subscription for the whole year, which is basically taking care of your fantasy league for the entire season or however many you're in. Um, it's a $40 value. So it's like, it's one of the biggest win-win situations I've ever seen. MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Uh, not only does it have a cool name, pretty cool logo, and it's actually fun to participate in. Promo code PFF. Get a free PFF Edge subscription. It's the September 3rd PFF forecast, and this one is a monster. We are doing every single win total. No one better to do it with than Kevin Clark. So it's win totals and Kevin Clark. Let's rock. Right, I'm recording this. This was a long podcast, so I'm recording this after the fact. No need really to do an intro. I will say this. I still have a story from being on an airplane that I've not told Eric yet, and when I do tell him, he he may fall off his chair. I don't know how he'll react, but I'm going to do that on Monday, um, and that's, by the way, week one. We're going to have games next week. So um, enjoy Kevin Clark. He's awesome. We go through every single win total. It's long. Maybe split it up. Um, mow the lawn. Do what you got to do. But uh, this was a fun one. So here we go. Kevin Clark. It is wonderful to bring back Kevin Clark of The Ringer, The Ringer NFL Show, host of Slow News Day, Jeff Fisher. I can't. My excitement 
is through the roof for that uh, episode. Is it the 8th of September that that one's coming out? That's correct. Yeah, next Tuesday. So wait a second. So everyone you, can have... You Go interviewed ahead. him on 9-8 and not 8-8? So that joke, <laughs> that joke has been made. Um, <laughs> I... Yeah, no, no, or nine seven. The big joke was why isn't it coming out on the seventh? Yeah, right. That would have been nine seven, but that's Labor Day, and uh, it turns out we want people to watch and not be at the beach. So nine eight, it is. Everybody watch. He was an he was an incredible guest, like one of the best we've ever had. I thought he was great when they did the um, the last time they did Rams for Hard Knocks, as mm-hmm. well as yeah. the one year they did was it All or Nothing. The year they moved to L.A. and he was. I thought he was a great character in that show. I he has become really popular among you know just the Twitter sphere and and everything. And I wonder how quickly someone puts asks him to go into a booth or do his own you know kind of media thing. Yep. Maybe Kevin, I, you guys could do a mustache um, sort of thing. We we talked a lot about. We actually he brought up mustaches two or three times i wow. don't know how many actually make the episode but we we talked about it he has been in a booth but i don't think a guy like that i don't think guys like that should be in the booth because they're they're going to get 30 seconds to talk and they're just going to if they're kind of an old school guy they're going to give old school talking points i think that he would actually be great at like just popping on a podcast mm-hmm. or being a co-host of a podcast something like that where there could be someone who could bring it out like i just feel like he's really funny he has funny stories like i i told him i asked him like for a steve mcnair story and he had just like two minutes to just wow. you know perfection or the, but he also had like a yellowstone take so i i'm pro jeff fisher and <laughs> i think take. that guys like that sometimes get I, I think that guys like that get um kind of pigeonholed a little bit and that part of that is our my fault and our fault like you know bill o'brien he might be a great hang He's a terrible GM, but he might be a great hang. And so I kind of think I, I kind of like connecting with those guys and just seeing what they're actually like because like the coaching persona sometimes overshadows what they're really like. Well, well who did you – you were on uh, Mina Kimes' podcast the other day and you were talking about Matt Patricia in such a light where yeah. there might be – like I do agree that like he's looked pretty good over the last month or so in terms of the way he's related to his players. Now that might me- not mean he's a good head coach, but – it, there's certainly different like facets of of life where you can excel in one and still not be necessarily good in another. It's also possible for them to be cool human beings and, and not right. perfect and not top yeah. 1% at their job. Right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> right. And I'd also say that the extension of that is unless a guy is really well known, you really only see him in press conference settings. Like mm-hmm. a good example is if you only saw Andy Reid at press conferences, you would not think that he was necessarily a great hang. Hmm. Now he, he now the press conferences are more fun now because he won the Super Bowl and he's saying stuff like, you know, that I can get a cheeseburger, yeah, with cheeseburger this, this kind cheeseburger of thing. That. Yeah, but but when he's just at the podium, he seems like a pretty middle of the road coach. You don't see that personality, and so I think that there's and we're seeing this with Joe Judge now, where I think some guys have just either don't want to give up anything to the media or they just don't want to take the time. I've talked to coaches who have said, if I start giving them good answers, I'll have to be at a press conference for 45 minutes a day, <laughs> and then I can't do you know, special teams work or whatever it is. And so I think that a lot of times 
the press conference stuff bleeds over into everyone's evaluation, both as a person and also if we see them on the podium, like, oh, how can you connect with players? Well, that's completely different skill sets. Yeah, that, that makes sense. We're going to talk about some of these coaches because what we're going to do is we're going to do a massive um, run through the entire league, look at all of their win totals and tell you whether we would go over or under and we'll save the mustache a bit for the end i'll keep it under <laughs> three and we're going to start with the nfc east and the dallas cowboys where their win total is at nine and a half we're going to go around the horn no supporting arguments until we've gone all the way around and we'll start with you kevin nine and a half over or under over eric over i am going under all right um you're getting a good price plus I, plus one twenty five. I'm getting so. I'm getting kind of a good price. I, I actually switched this at at the last minute, so I'll let you, Kev, start off with. It, you're buying into the hype on the Cowboys. I'm buying into the roster hype. The coaching stuff is a little bit separate. I like the continuity aspect with Kellen Moore. I think that if they had not had that uh, carryover from one year to the next, I'd be a little more suspicious. Mm-hmm. But on offense, they sort of have that, and I think that's important. I'm suspicious of anything new this year. You know, I, I talked to Rick Spielman last week and we were talking about, you know, having, even though they had a huge kind of uh, turnover with Stefan Diggs, Everson Griffin, a lot of that guy, but they had so many second contract guys. And in this year, you can have not only with coaching, you have the carryover, but if you have veterans, those veterans can get the young guys up to speed who know the system really, really quickly. And I just think that a team like the Cowboys, that argument tracks for me. Um, I just think Mike McCarthy's newness will be uh, overcome by the fact that they've got a lot of veterans in that team, a lot of either second contract guys or late in the first contract guys. I think that that the roster plus that brand of continuity can work. Okay. Uh, Before you answer, Eric, let me, because we've talked about the Cowboys a ton. Too much. Huge Mike McCarthy fans. He came, visited the office, yada, yada, yada. Get it. We get it. And there's a lot of teams, the Cardinals, the, um, the Browns last year, um, the Rams a few years ago, where it's like, hey, you're a year early. And I don't know why we aren't necessarily a year early on the Cowboys. Mm, and right. and I, I just, you know, our projections have them um, at, at getting past nine and a half wins about 35% of the time. Um, and I get the whole continuity thing. I do. But I just I think this might be the team we're a year early on in nine and seven, not terrible. I disagree only because I think that we are a year early on Dallas for the last six years. <laughs> so like we're finally to a point where the things come together. Like when you look at that division, okay, Washington, eh. <laughs> New York Giants are gonna like I'm meh on the on Washington, but I I I I outwardly think the Giants are gonna suck. I have a strong opinion on the Giants. Philadelphia is a team; they're lined at nine and a half as well. I think the under is you know I'm gonna, but you lose left tackle, you lose right yep. guard and Brandon Brooks, mm-hmm. yep. you lose Jalen Rager, um, who wasn't proven to begin with. People are assuming that yes. he was gonna be this deep threat already. Your defense lost its best player, Malcolm Jenkins. Oh, come on. What? Malcolm Jenkins is their most, most versatile player, at least. Let's put it that way. I almost had a heart attack. And and they already aren't very good covering people to uh, begin with, right? That's that's total, totally true. Dallas, I mean, what, what do they go in the NFC East? Five and one? Okay. 
here's here's my comeback to that i'm curious your take kevin the cowboys to me when they should win that's when i'm most worried and at first i was like okay the eagles the same old thing are all injured i get you know but now the cowboys have no excuses they've got to come out and perform they have they they have to win but what was the variable when that was true what do you mean? Last year? Yeah, their head coach is Jason Garrett. Yeah, the head coach. That, that was my <laughs> You're going to put it that. all on Garrett? I'm not, yeah, I, I kind of. Kind of. Garrett struggled kind of. at basic strategy, like perpetually. Okay. At, they're it, good it, at I, – I, the, the Go of, ahead. The sort of Rosetta Stone of Jason Garrett is that I remember someone saying, like Cowboys be writer, basically, he believes in execution more than scheme, and maybe to an extreme degree. Hmm. And I kind of think – in the latter half of this decade, if you believed in those things, you would probably fail. And I just don't think Jason Garrett was the type of coach who can beat teams he wasn't supposed to beat because he did not give them, this is a Charlie Weiss joke, a, a decided schematic advantage. Mm-hmm. He did not give them mm-hmm. that ever, and that became a problem. The only playoff game that they've won over the past, in the Garrett era was when Seattle played basic strategy worse than they did that was that's i'll and, never forget that game and, and here and, yeah. and kevin's absolutely right i mean we heard this anecdote as well from somebody who we know within the league that said you know you need to be running this 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 and this and garrett's response was no we play cowboy football we're the cowboys this is what we do and it's like and and we heard that from kitchens as well uh, you know freddie oh, kitchens wow. when he was in cleveland yeah. he said you know we don't it's not my job to out scheme somebody it's their job to outperform them and it's like the league yeah. is the the talent disparity. actually that's literally your job the talent disparity in the league is too narrow to have that viewpoint yep also worried i'm very worried about uh, the loss of byron jones let's move to the Eagles. so eric you are going under on them it's nine and a half um it is juice towards the under for obvious reasons kevin I hate it. I hate it. And I wish I didn't have to pick. I wish I could have, I wish this, I could just cop out. I'm going under, but I want to have the caveat. I did the, I did over unders for some teams on my podcast a couple weeks ago with actually Shil Kapadia, who, uh, who covers the Eagles more than the other team. And I went over because I felt good about their infrastructure and I thought they could overcome the loss of Brandon Brooks. Now you've got Andre Dillard, who according to Schefter was dominating camp. He's out. He wasn't very good. Uh, last year he wasn't he wasn't the type of guy who if they lost last year I would have swung my prediction on uh, Zach Berman said the other day that they were practicing without their the top pick in the last five drafts <laughs> and at some point that catches up to you I, I really I my uh, despair over their injuries is an endorsement of the team I think they put together and I just don't I don't think I think they're a nine-win team right now, and I'd love to be proven wrong because I love picking the Eagles to win the Super Bowl, but I, I, I don't see it right now. I think it's 10 or 11 wins for Dallas, nine wins for, for Philadelphia right now. I'm going under, and I would have gone under before. It seems to me now, I'm curious, is it the Dillard injury or the Rager injury? One of the two, did both of them have to happen for you to go under? I would say, well, I, I didn't love the Brandon Brooks injury. Yeah. But you guys are pro football focused love. Yeah, he's great. And now, and now, and then they get the Jason Peters thing in. I feel like, oh, maybe they've solved some of that. Now you have another hole mm-hmm. that, that Peters is going to have to plug. And I, it's a little bit of both. And I also think that the Rager thing, listen, the Dallas Cowboys have CeeDee Lamb, and they've got that kind of X factor where if he performs, 
good things are going to happen. The Eagles had that with Rager. If that gets delayed, mm-hmm. uh, I, that's a tiebreaker in my opinion. So it's it's it's, it's all of them. By the way, I forgot that I was only supposed to say over or under. It's okay. Yeah, it's, no, we like this. This is great. Okay. Um, my right. thing with the Eagles. I just, Flagrantly violated the rules of the pod in the second question. The good news is we can't all be at the same table right now, yeah. and so I can't admonish you. Uh, <laughs> you can't stare daggers into your face. Um, Last time we were together, you guys just gave me a t-shirt, and we had a great time. It was, it was great, it was and awesome. you you and, jinxed my team out of the Super Bowl. You compared... I, go ahead. Go ahead. You, you compared the Chiefs to... I can't remember who which band, um, but you compared the Chiefs to, like, you know, basically a band where they let the one one of the you know one of the musicians star every time. I can't remember which. Oh, one Metallica. Was. Yeah, yeah, Metallica. Yeah, yeah. Um, Only because I once went to a Metallica concert with Robert Mays and I saw that. I'm not <laughs> even a Metallica fan. I just saw that that's what they do at their concerts. It's like now it's time for Lars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here's the thing with the Eagles. That's interesting. They have a reputation for being sharp, and I think they've hmm. earned it in a lot of ways. They're very good with the salary cap. They're very good at basic strategy. They go for the right fourth downs. They go for the right two-point conversions. But Doug Peterson, early down play selection, is one of his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that that gets magnified whenever they have issues at the receiver position because they cannot stretch the field the way they did in 2017 when Carson Wentz was the best third-down thrower in the league. So my thing is for them to improve and it doesn't look like it's trending this way right they've been talking miles sanders up for months i don't see them being a team that's all of a sudden going to avoid third down altogether which is the right way to approach early downs i think they're going to try to run miles sanders and i think wentz is going to be in long yarded situations and they're not going to have the horses to get out of them yeah i'd also be concerned certainly with with wentz and that offensive line was awesome they weren't good they were awesome they were our number one offensive line last year and that was with you know jason peters not being his normal fantastic self so if that takes a real if they all of a sudden become i'm trying to think about a good comparison here think about like the rams going from you know awesome to really not awesome and bad in a year now carson wentz is not jared goff he's much more mobile but we've seen that that hits on him have not done great things so that they just have to me a lot of a lot more ways that they can win nine or fewer than ways that they can win 10 or more um washington the washington football team five and a half wins um interestingly juiced towards the under they just named dwayne haskins officially the week one starter kevin over or under i'm going under I think Ooh. that this is, you know, I saw that uh, it was one of the Washington reporters basically said that no media access actually, or limited media access actually works in favor of of this team because <laughs> they're not going to be asked about yeah. the tire fire every single day. Um, and if they do, the team's going to put out people, uh, players who can kind of be spokespeople for the team. Um, so you, you avoid that quote unquote, huge quote marks distraction. Um, but obviously what's happening uh, outside the locker room right now is a complete disaster. And Snyder is, is a non-zero chance he loses his team. And, you know, it's, it's a disaster. So I just think that at some point, the lack of roster talent, I really like Chase Young, but we know, you know, impact of a defensive player, it, it's, it can be limited in a weak link type of system. I really like Ron Rivera. 
I think eventually this team will be where it needs to be. I just think that this has real disaster potential this year. At that price, I'm inclined to go over five and a half. Yes. I, I am going over, and this was one that I put, I either put in my notes a U, an O, or two U's, or two O's. And the two U's or two O's was like, I'm investing in this uh, decision. We're going to go drive over to Indiana and, yeah. and go buy, and bet and, it. Yeah. And I've got a, an OO next to, to the Washington football team. And my reasoning is actually kind of similar to yours, Kevin, but the reverse, which is they were a not just a tire fire. They were an, a city uh, on fire. Like <laughs> they, they were inundated with lava last year. Like nothing worked. And Dwayne Haskins... I thought overcame that and overcame adversity nicely. I think that um, Terry McLaurin, who was one of the three highest graded rookies that we've had in the past 15 mm-hmm. years, um, gives them a legit offensive weapon that, I mean, the Eagles uh, don't even have, the Giants don't even have. Um, and to me, Ron Rivera, whether he's able to be on the field, hopefully he is, gives them a culture stability that is not just going from average to stable, but going from literal disaster to stable. Yeah, I mean, Haskins had some pretty good data at the end of the year a season ago. I'll just take a look at the schedule here, which you go home to Eagles, which last season they had the Eagles down Mm 17-0, I think, early. You have Cardinals-Browns, which I think both teams we think will improve. You have Ravens, but then you have the Giants twice early. Lions, Bengals, you know, then you have, you know, you have Panthers on the schedule. There's enough there there, I think, to get to get you over the hump. Um, you know, and and especially if Haskins plays, like let's say Haskins a middle of the pack quarterback, mm-hmm. like now now you're starting to get in that conversation where like they've been swept by these NFC East teams like every year. Like for like forever. If you take two or three of those NFC East games, you know, besides the Giants games, uh, this is not a high bar to clear. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's move to the Giants because I think this is an interesting comparison. Six and a half, juiced heavily towards the under, not it's surprisingly. Same price, basically. Yeah, basically the same price. Um, so uh, let, let's call, let's call it five and a half. Similarly for the Giants, um, Kevin, what are you doing? I think this is a five-win team, and I think that. The Joe Judge narrative is getting a little bit away from him uh, outside the building. Coaches running laps and, mm-hmm. and being ultra serious, and no, the jerseys not not talking about players or whatever specifically because because they need to earn that. I'm not even sure what that was, but I think that again that's a different skill set from are you going to put players in position to win. So I I think that there's probably some potential there. But I don't think it's easy. I think it looks to me like Joe Judge is trying to build a culture. Mm-hmm. I think that's really hard to do right now. And I think that that's really you, – you need more than 14 padded practice for that. I think it's kind of a wash here. Eric? Yeah, I mean, I think mo- the perception out of a season ago is that Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Haskins. And while I think that there's certainly data to support that, I don't think the margin is as big as what people are saying. Um and we all know the Belichick tree is one uh, that's not particularly impressive. I think they all choose to mimic the the bad yeah. things about Belichick as opposed to like what the secret sauce really is, which is uh, the fact that he's been working. He he's had a process for thirty years mm-hmm. since his Browns years, basically. Um, 
their defense, although Logan Ryan helps, I think their defense is going to be horrible. Um, offensive line, uh, not great either. And they have a much harder schedule than Washington does. I think if you look at if, – if, if one of the best props of the year is you can get Washington winning more games than the Giants, I think I'd take it. Yes, I'm with you. And my whole thing with the judge um, situation is – you brought up a good point, which is when McDaniels went to Denver, it was like he tried to be Belichick. And really what Belichick does is be himself better than anyone else. He, and that's what these guys got to do. I would argue that if you're trying to establish a culture and you end up in the news repeatedly for the culture you're establishing, you're probably – you don't have the foresight necessary <laughs> to think that one through. I would take Dwayne Haskins over Daniel Jones at this point in their careers mm. without a ton of thought. And Kevin, what would you do there? I need more data. Yeah, but you don't. Quite frankly, you, maybe, you maybe you guys can help with that. It's, uh, yeah, if I, if I can't have it, if I have to pick right yeah, now for the yeah. next 10 years. It's like you'd like to decide whether you're keeping the mustache for life or not, right. but you need more data. It's, it's in. It's locked in. <laughs> uh, do I think that Daniel Jones would join Haskins? Um, I'm going to, for this year, I'm going to choose. I mean, I think we're going to think after this year that Haskins is the more promising quarterback. Um, I think that. Listen, Daniel Jones actually has, you know, he's going to have a good safety valve in Saquon, and, and it's going to, they can make his life easier in some ways. But again, Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens on the offensive staff, I'm not totally excited about it. Uh, yeah, I, that, that to me, it's kind of 1A and 1B. I'm going to guess Haskins is more well thought of at the end of the season. Some things about Daniel Jones that I think are interesting is that touchdown interception ratio is often cited as like, this stat that we should look into and i threw so many touchdowns it's like the dude led the league in interceptions that were dropped by defenders uh from the time that he took over to the end of the season those things just don't show up on your on your box score and it's like that matters like if half of those get picked off you know a very different and here's the funny thing i think those do show up sometimes Mm -hmm. but when you're a team as bad as the giants have been or as bad as washington has been like we're we're long gone past the 4 p.m. Dallas New York game where we watch like we watched Trubisky when he when the Bears were good and it was clear to anybody that watched those games that the Bears won despite Trubisky when a team like the Giants or Washington plays under the radar like we're esca- we don't watch those games like the average public doesn't right. watch those games so then when they look up and they're like wow Daniel Jones had 20 something touchdown passes they forget that like a th- like a third of those were in three games or whatever it was and when people are like oh washington they're losing 34 20 it's like well actually haskins played well there was a bunch of drops in there and it's like you know those are magnified for the for the important teams and when we're trying to evaluate and handicap these kind of also ran below six win teams year to year like that's where the data i think is even more valuable all right so we're moving on to the afc west which i think is a slightly less interesting division in large part because the chiefs are really really freaking good their win total, 11.5, juice towards the over. Um, and we're going to reestablish the cadence here. Over or under? Kevin. Over. Eric. Under. Of course. Of course. The reverse jinx is alive. I'm going over, and, and I'm going to start off with my reasoning, which is they won more than 11.5 games last year, and Matt freaking Moore mm-hmm. yep. started some for them and and i will also say this when pat mahomes played 
he was re- he regressed a little bit. He got injured, right? The ankle injury. Um, if he's just a little bit healthier, it easily go over. Andy Reid, in his career as a Kansas City head coach, has never gone under a season win total. Um, that's a trend. <laughs> so, that's a trend that I, I like to follow. <laughs> but I will say the plus one fifteen is what really. I, yeah. That's what I'm looking at, and. We just don't know with COVID. We just don't know with injuries. And they are, if you look at their first four weeks without Prashad Breland and without, you know, with Thornhill coming back from an injury, like they face a pretty tough schedule early. You know, you have Houston, Baltimore, you know, it's not going to be easy for them to get out of the gate. Um, So that's why I'm going under. Obviously, I hope they win more than that. Kevin, did the fact that we have gone through this pandemic, did that in any way sway you over under for the Chiefs? Because it did for me. Yeah, so the reason it's over for me is I just think that teams that can do things really well and don't need a ton of preparation time to do that stuff, they're going to win this year. And there's going to be a massive gulf between the elite quarterbacks and even the great quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. Like I think that you're going to see Lamar and Mahomes and Breeze and those guys have even more of an advantage than they normally would because, you know, teams are going to want to run complicated systems or run systems against flat-footed defenses. And if they can do that with 14 padded practices, yes, that's a a huge advantage. And so I think there's a baseline. I mean, it doesn't – it is hard for me, again, kind of going back to what we've been saying – if Reed and Mahomes are together, I don't care about the 52 other guys unless it's a total tire fire. So I, I think that there's always going to be a baseline of competence there. So I think with the talented roster they have, I'm in. I'm in for, for 12 to 14 wins. Yes. I'm not going to go 16. I'm not going to go coward on you guys. Don't worry. <laughs> they're, all, they're favored in all but one game, I think, this year. Or oh, two. Well, 15 to one. That's not bad. That still gets uh, you over. In large part, uh, you know, so I think about the pandemic. I echo your statement um, about that, Kevin. That, that played in. But also looking at the rest of the division, which, speaking of tire fire, uh, and let's start with, I don't know which one's the biggest one. Um, let's make people angry. The Denver Broncos. Uh, I'm not saying they're the biggest one, but seven and a half. Um, yeah. Pretty even on both sides. Uh, Kevin, over under. Seven wins for me, so under. Eric? I, I just, I, I, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. No, I, I got you. I snuck again. in there. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like Simon says. I just keep explaining myself. Under. Over. Okay. I'm, I'm going under. Explain yourself, Eric. I think that this, that I almost said Chicago Bears team. This, <laughs> this, Den- <laughs> this Denver team is going to be the next in a line of teams with crappy young quarterbacks that we're going to have fan bases messing with us all off season because we're going to say, look, the stars were aligned. J- uh, Drew Locke played, played, you know, he's a four out of 10 and everything else came into place and you won 10 games and you made the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Like that to me, like I, I see, I think on offense, they have a ton of weapons. Um, you know, they have the two tight at the two young tight ends. They have Judy, they have Hamler. If he's healthy, they have Cortland Sutton, who's one of the best young receivers in the game. Um, Pat Shermer's a good offensive coordinator, I think. I don't think he's a great head coach, but he's a good offensive coordinator. And then on defense, they have lost some players, but they've also, you know, they have Jarrell Casey. They have, um, you know, the head coach is a pretty good defensive play caller. So when I look at that, I'm this is a huge part of fade on the Chargers and the Raiders. Hmm. But I, this is the one team that I think, like, they make the playoffs, and then next year we're all betting under nine and a half. Yeah. Kevin? Uh, I think that. Broncos fans in some ways have done 
Drew Locke a disservice yes. by grading him on this particular curve. And, and I don't know why we're trying to get him into the top young quarterbacks discussion. The Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame the is where we're trying to get him. When, when I think that he has shown markings of a good young quarterback who, who might be a couple years away from, from really being something. I just don't see that this year. I really do. I know that it's, it's funny to dunk on him, but I actually think Elway made some solid moves this offseason. Like, mm-hmm. the Drew Casey move is, is a pretty good value move. Um, so I don't think they're going to be a disaster, which I think a couple years ago they looked like they were trending towards that. But I think with Fangio, you know, they still have talent like Vaughn Miller. I think there's a baseline here, but I, I think it's seven seven wins. Yeah, I, my whole thing with it, and I, I'm with you. I would say you know seven, seven and nine. Like, I would be, I would be kind of pleased with that. To be honest yeah. with you, um, there's so much projection here, and I am really worried about the secondary. Chris Harris Jr. is really freaking good. Um, over the last decade, I believe he's number two in PFF grade behind only Richard Sherman, super versatile piece. And then you're asking Drew Locke after five games. And I go on a, I go on a Denver radio station every Wednesday and it's a really fun segment. And every time it's, there's some Drew Locke thing and they have cited touchdown interception ratio a hundred times. It was five to two. I think how bad? five to two, how bad are you to be five to two and still have a pass rating below 90, by the way, you must suck. But yeah. the, but, <laughs> but don't you guys agree though that of the teams with young quarterbacks where like I don't see Washington winning 10 games I see them winning six or seven Hmm. I don't see the Giants winning 10 games I see them winning four I don't you know of all the quarterbacks that are young you know um I I don't really see like I could see Arizona maybe like you know popping up but I, if Arizona pops up and wins a bunch of games I don't think our response to that is gonna be yeah but Kyler Murray stinks like he's going to have to be good for so, them to be good. I I feel yeah. like Denver is the team where they could have some like they could have some random you know not easy schedule. I mean they in their first few weeks they play they have home to Titans, you know Bron- uh, Dolphins, a weaker Patriots team, and Jets. Like they could get off to a good start, and then you know everybody's writing about how you know John Elway's turned the corner. Remember they took they took the Super Bowl contending Bears to the limit last year. Uh, in in on, in week two and almost beat them. Six, uh, it was fourteen to sixteen. Trubisky dunked on all of us and putting sixteen points up. So maybe there's a little bit of Broncos hype early if they have another performance like that against the uh, some juggernaut teams that the NFL will throw at them. Um, I think that with Locke, I, I I start to think, and you made the point about Jones and Haskins, and I kind of feel like we're getting spoiled a little bit with some of these young quarterbacks coming in mm-hmm. and, and having immediate success, and us knowing kind of what the pecking order is because uh, Mike Sando was on my podcast last week and I know you guys know him, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think we've solved a, you know, Lamar Jackson is the best 2018 quarterback. I don't think we've solved who the second best is and we might not ever. I mean, it's like, a, we're still arguing about 2016 with golf Wentz and, and uh, Prescott. And I just kind of feel like there were a handful of unicorns over the past few years Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, and they established themselves, and we kind of know where that pecking order is. But I think that when you get into sort of the the B plus to C minus quarterbacks, it's really hard for any of those guys to reveal themselves. And I wish we framed the argument differently. The the unicorns. It, I I remember reading a headline that was like Drew Locke is he the next Patrick Mahomes? It wasn't that 
blazing, but it was pretty damn close. And uh, and then the funny thing is, is that Broncos actually got a really good value for him. Right, when they picked him. Yeah, because they picked two players for him. Yeah. Um, all right, yeah. Raiders seven and a half. Uh, the under is juiced a little bit here. Um, I'll start it off. Uh, I am going under. Kevin. I'm going over. Eric. This is one of the ones I wrote up early in the offseason. I will go under seven and a half. I'll just do a quick – I'll start here quickly. I struggled with this quite a bit, and the reason I did was that their offense last year, um, top 10 in EPA per play, and as much as I hate – not hate – but don't like the way Derek Carr plays football. Um, I had to pay some respect to that. Kevin, why are you going over? I'm with you on the offense. I think that, that John Gruden to me is in the Bill O'Brien zone where mm. his mistakes as a when he was a franchise leader before pre-Mayock have shadowed our opinions of him as a coach. I think he's still a pretty good coach. I think that even if you have the Marcus Mariota shadow and that the you know, John Gruden wants to pull the trigger on a quarterback change whenever that seems possible. Um, so I think that there's a little bit of concern with me there, but I think Derek Carr is okay. I think they can get to eight wins. I kind of like the way they're building this team. I kind of think wow. that Mike Mayock is a really good GM. Wow. I How many people – What if you did a um, uh, approval poll on Mike Mayock on uh, football Twitter, what do you think he would get? On football Twitter, like forty five percent, but among Raiders fans, like eighty seven percent. Yeah, I I don't. Cleveland Farrell looks like a surefire. I don't hate your take. My issue there is, and again, we had this discussion with Aaron Nagler the other day. The Raiders were a seven and nine team last year, but all all of their wins were by one score or more, or Mm -hmm. one score fewer. They're more fundamentally a four and a half win team. So to get them over seven and a half, you're talking about a fundamental three win improvement, which I just don't see. The, they they just traded for the Raekwon McMillan. They got uh, actually a good player in Corey Littleton at linebacker. Um, the guy from the Bears. Uh, they got three linebackers, you know, acquired recently. Meanwhile, their secondary sucks, and they just got rid of Prince of Mucamara for a you know an, a rookie who's older than George, and, and you know now, and, and I look and and again this is like where I sort of break the tie. If you look at their schedule, they're at Panthers, Saints, Patriots, Bills, Chiefs, Bucks, Browns. I mean that's five losses, six losses in a row, and then you have <laughs> at Chargers, Broncos, then you have Chiefs again. And then it does slow up at the end of the year, but, but they they might be buried going to Mariota mid season, or you know, by the time it's all said and done, and that might be their only hope. Yeah, I I think Mariota gets some starts. But is and here's the question I have, and Kevin, you know, is Mariota good? Because Mariota is the most frustrating quarterback I've ever seen in my life. The only time he's ever played well is to beat my Chiefs in the playoffs two years <laughs> ago. That's it. He every other time he's been sacked nine times. It feels like. I like the idea of Marcus Mariota far more than an actual <laughs> player. And I think that there's, there, there's a zone and there's a timeline where he has an incredibly successful career where he's not given to Ken Wisenhunt and Mike Malarkey. <laughs> and then there's, he gets he gets someone who, who knows how to use him and run, knows how to run the spread. And that, unfortunately, is not the timeline we're living in. And it's, it's, it's one of the actually – the things that bummed me out about the last decade of football more than anything is how he's been handled. But I, I do think he's, he's maybe too far gone. I would agree there, especially because we see a lot of players that we end up rooting for who are good football players and not great people. And Marcus Mariota seems to be like one of the good dudes that is out there, and it's a shame. Uh, but maybe, maybe a little rebirth. Will Tannehill 
you know, doing the same thing. Now that he goes to another team, he gets a second chance. Yep. Tannehill had a terrible situation in Miami. Carr was very Could good happen. in the first half of last season. Like, legitimately a yeah. top five player at the position. And it trailed off at the end. Um, I do think... Fumbled that one out of the end zone. Dude, yeah. is there anything you like to do more than Derek Carr likes fumbling the ball out of the back of the end zone for a touchback? <laughs> like, honestly, I, I don't... <laughs> All right. The, I, I, I want to address Carr real quick. Yeah. One thing I was... This is total pseudoscience, but I was very impressed by it. I was in the last game with the Coliseum. It's my favorite science. In Oakland. And... I was on the field after the game, and I was looking at the the black hole was kind of giving its last goodbyes to Oakland, and they had lost to the Jaguars. They just completely – I think they would given the game where they were up, I don't know, a handful of scores. And they were like throwing things at the players and stuff. And Derek Carr started to get booed when he went over to the mm-hmm. black hole, mm-hmm. and then he kept going. And the boos kept getting louder, and he just wanted to say his goodbyes – and they were just so vicious and they were throwing things and they were, you know, kids were giving the middle finger or whatever. And after the game, they were like, why did you do that when you knew you were going to get booed? And he's like, yeah, I get, I get booed a lot. It's fine. And like the confidence that he showed in that moment was kind of badass. And I've actually kind of changed my opinion on Derek Carr <laughs> from that. Just going into a side of the stadium that he knew he was going to get booed in. He wanted to be quote unquote classy and he was totally fine with what was coming. If you, it, it, it was uh, it was a, a different side uh, than I was anticipating. Kevin, how does Kirk Cousins handle that situation? Not well. Okay, <laughs> no, I'll say that. That's I it. Mean, I'm, I, going, I sort of, I'm going back to the format. I'm going back to the format of not following up with anything. I sort I'll, of I well. sort of feel like he either handles it like he handles pressure, which is just to to close his eyes and throw it. In yeah. which case, that's kind of how Carr did act. I mean, but at least Carr sort of like knew what he was doing when he was going through the, the the gauntlet Kirk Cousins walking into the black hole is a if he dies he dies situation <laughs> Chargers are seven and a half line seven and a half the under uh sorry it's this tells you where I'm going it is juice towards the over and I'll start with this I have multiple U's I'm all in on the under um Kevin yep and under. Eric yeah and you can get this at eight some places just if you want some extra betting advice but like i'm thinking when i look at this team as far as seven and a half wins we have them as one of the more likely teams to get the number one pick and i and i think to myself there when it's like you know defense is where they want to win they just lost one of their biggest pieces um you know we don't know necessarily how chris harris will adjust uh they do rush the passer pretty well although melvin ingram's getting older as evidenced by the fact that they waited forever to give him the money and then on the offensive side of the ball like I just can't, I can't see Herbert having the type of success that Baker Mayfield did when he replaced Tyrod Taylor halfway through <laughs> a season. So I like this team could win ten games. We're all sitting back and be like, oh, why did we, why did we doubt Tyrod Taylor again? Why did we doubt good defense again? But when I think of this team, I think of a team that's like a classic like rebuild, you know, reload season. Kevin. I don't think. I don't think that there's a huge distinction between any of the three teams in the AFC West. Mm-hmm. What I will say is when you don't have a good quarterback or a great quarterback, however, what's not going to Taylor at the moment, but they don't have a quarterback who solves problems for them, I don't think. And when you have that, you have to get a break in every single direction. And the Chargers have not only have they never gotten a break, they have already hugely suffered by having Derwin James out for the entire yep. year. 
And I just, again, we tend to overrate one, um, what one defender can do, but Derwin James changes the way they play. And so I, I just, I'm not feeling it. Again, they'd have to get, there's a thousand things that have to go right for, for uh, Taylor to make the playoffs. And I just don't think that is happening. We are aligned and we move on to another interesting division, the NFC South. We're going to start with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, been in the news a little bit lately. They are lined 10 and a half and a little bit juiced towards the over, which um, I'm interested how many people went rushing uh, to bet the under with the Camara news. Um, Kevin, over under. This is the one. This is the one where I, I might change my answer in the Uh-oh. middle of the sentence. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. Under. Eric? <laughs> I The math says under, so let's go under. Yes, yeah. I... I am I am joining you guys under, and this was one where I really, really struggled because I thought to myself, man, Emmanuel Sanders comes over to that offense. They have a great offensive line, um, and something just didn't feel right about them winning 11 games. Kevin? Yeah, uh, same deal. I, there are four teams who are uh, designated as winning double-digit games by Vegas in the mm-hmm. over/under. That is the Niners, the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Ravens. And I think the Saints are by a a, a sizable margin the worst of those four wow. teams. That's that's still being quite good. They're still going to make the playoffs, but I just don't put them necessarily. I think that the the Super Bowl is going to be ravens against the niners and i think the the chiefs are are right there i think that it's extremely possible the saints will be in the nft championship game but if i had to bet they feel like they could be a 10-win team you have the bucks in the division now um you have the falcons who i think can be okay i i i like i liked being on the edge there with between 10 and 11 wins and i'm just going to go with the under because like eric says the math backs it up yep that's what is your feeling on drew Brees? because i he continually grades super well for us. He doesn't mm-hmm. throw the ball downfield a ton, and he's At had all, these yeah. yeah, and he's had these last couple of seasons where, you know, down the stretch, it's it's been ugly for lack of a better word. Yeah, so like you guys have been writing about for kind of a while now, he he does not look downfield at all. He has made the short field his it really it's been a masterclass mm-hmm. in how to control the field without using it all. And Michael Thomas is, despite what some analytics people say, I think hugely valuable. And I think that Alvin Kamara can be very, very, very valuable to this team. If, if he, he's, I don't know if his reports are he's in the building and his hold-in sort of continues. I don't know what the, what the status of that is. But if they're at full strength, I think that that Breeze kind of Kamara Thomas that that sort of Peyton offense can roll on. I do think, listen, he's going to be 41 this year. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And 41 in January, and presumably he'll still be playing. And I just think at some point, at some point, I think we've gotten a little too comfortable assuming these players are going to play forever. And Kevin Cole has done great research on how these players fall off a cliff at some point. And I think you can see a nice regular season and maybe a bad playoff, something like that, where I just – I'm getting less and less comfortable saying a 41-year-old is going to be as efficient as he always has. I am of the mind 
that uh, next year at this time will be hyping up the Jameis Winston-led Saints? I think so. I mean, that's the part of the – that's why when you look at – if you actually don't have any information about the NFL – and you add up all the probabilities for all these markets, The under if you just blindly bet unders, you'd make money. Because all, we, we almost always, to Kevin's point, underestimate the risk of bad things happening. Mm-hmm. There's only so many good things that can happen for all these teams. But there's almost an infinite number of bad things that can happen. And the one that we almost never... <laughs> and it's 2020, like, so... Yeah, exactly. So uh, that's where I like the under in the sense... Like, Breeze could play really well, and the NFC West... Or, sorry, the NFC South could be game. Like, Bridgewater could be better than we think. Uh, you know, obviously our Falcons could... He can't... He literally can't be better than you think. <laughs> and, and Tampa Bay could be a, 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 have a fighting chance, obviously, now with Brady. So yeah. th- that's kind of, um, you know, I think why it's supporting the under there. All right, let's go to the Bucks. Nine and a half. Uh, we'll start with you, Kevin. Same same fence that I'm on with the Bucks. Or excuse me, the Saints I'm on with the Bucks. Uh, I'm going to go over. Eric, man, um, same same reason I'm going under for the Saints. I'm going under for Tampa, and I'm going over. And I I struggled with this one because when you look at our simulations, the under looks like a nice play. And I'm not. I wouldn't actually bet this one because it's so juiced towards the over. Um, people love the over, but it's one of those situations where if there are two older quarterbacks, you know, and I'm looking at Breeze and Brady, I just have so much more faith in Tom Brady. I, I think he had literally one of the worst um, possible supporting cast last year, and I don't think he's done. And that supporting cast in Tampa Bay is incredible. And I believe that he can still throw the ball down the field uh, a little bit, especially in the intermediate um, levels. So to me, the the Bucs are a 10-win team. Um, So I'm going over. Your guys' thoughts? Yeah, I I mean, I think there's a significant, you know, downgrade. I, I think there's a significant chance that Brady what we saw last season in the Patriots is fundamentally true about Brady there's a bunch I, I our fantasy projections don't seem to think so right you mm. put him in that situation we have him throwing for a, a ton of yards but the there's a lot of tail risk with Brady there's there's the there's obviously the the chance he could get hurt at that age the 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 mm-hmm. most pass I believe like the most passes a 43 year old has ever thrown is by Vinny Testaverde yeah. for the Panthers like we just have no precedent <laughs> for this so you know, I I'm I like them, and I think halfway through the year we could be like, God damn, they're like ten and two. Why didn't we see this coming? But there's a significant par- portion of time we're like, who are we kidding with Brady here? Like he's in an offense that's totally different than normal. You know, uh, you know their defense regressed. You know because last season was really the year their defense played well. Like all that kind of stuff. Uh, again, I think that that's why the under sharp on a lot of these. It is ludicrous. Our expectations, and it speaks to how good Brady is. He's 43 years old, and we're considering actual like football reasons for why he can be good, and not just mm-hmm. like magic and, and superstition or whatever it is <laughs> that it's actually happening. I do think it's funny, Eric, to your point that whenever I look up records for Tom Brady, like age-related records, he's only competing against Warren Moon and Vinny Testaverde. Like that's it. That's the list. Yeah. Oh, and like guys from the 40s and 50s. Um, I think that there's a I think the supporting cast to me is really important. I think that the offense is really important and how he fits in Arian's offense, I think is a separate conversation, but I think that they can make it work with Gronk and Mike Evans 
And I think he's going to have some nice safety valves if he loses some arm strength or whatever it is, and more than he has. I mean, again, he's not he's not in the breeze zone where he's even look downfield, but it, you know, he's he's not Patrick Mahomes anymore. Um, and so I think that they can make this work. I like the Bucks roster. I think he's a playoff team. And I will say this: I, Tom Brady doesn't have to be a top five quarterback for for this. This team is really good around him. And w- my thought on him now is. You're you're an offense that receivers have to get open. Mm-hmm. He he's not, and we're talking about the, you know it, with the Patriots and, and Cam Newton, what he brings. It, that was a dimension that Tom Brady did not have. He had guys had to get open for his accurate passes to be worth something because it, tight coverage just drops your expected yards output by by half. Is you know it's it's simple math. So um, to me, now he has all these guys that are getting open all the time. Like it it just I don't know. It's like flipping a switch. I I expect it to mm-hmm. look pretty good the moment i've all i've been waiting for is the atlanta falcons uh this is where my year goes south every single season (laughs) and uh i'm ready for it seven and a half um people appear to be betting the over a little bit uh kevin over under the falcons over i I, yeah we'll keep going eric join me welcome to hell kevin uh you have no choice yeah, over. Talk to me. They were six and two down the stretch last Talk year. I like. I, I like the the heart that they show. Um, they do have a tough schedule out the gate though. Seattle, Dallas, Packers, Vikings in the first six weeks. What's your biggest reason for continuing to have faith in the Falcons despite them being the Falcons, Kevin? I think that they have a number of talented players who have either been injured or been wrecked by bad play calling or maybe that they did, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan showed us what this offense was capable of mm-hmm. and they've been trying to recapture that. And they've quite frankly failed miserably. And I think that there's still the things we saw in that season are guidepost. And I feel like every year they get maybe closer to it. And I still think Matt Ryan, you know, I think Matt Ryan, Matt Stafford, a handful of those guys are on this level where if they get a bunch of breaks and have good play calling, Frankly, we've seen they can win an MVP. Uh, I think Stafford's on that level, too, and I think one day he might. Uh, I think that their injury luck has been awful, uh, maybe not in totality, but with some of their stars or second contract guys. And I also just think, and this is something I keep coming back to the entire season, is this is an Occam's Razor simple season. And if you have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan and you can run plays that are complicated against flat-footed defenses, that's what you want to do. And I think... Feel like they'll be able to score points pretty easily. It's almost going to become, I know we say this all the time, but it's almost going to become basketball on grass. Mm-hmm. And who would you rather have than Matt Ryan and Julio Jones? I would make the claim, and I, I think I talked about this and got ruined for it on Twitter, but if I said the fa- this team has the best quarterback and receiver in the division, can they win eight games? People go, oh, yeah, for sure. And I, I would say that about Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. I know the quarterbacks mm-hmm. are very close, very, very close. Matt Ryan is a good quarterback who's been saddled with some very unfortunate situations, in my opinion. And I think it's, I think it's close. I'm not saying, you know, like I'm for sure taking Matt Ryan just by a mile, but um, I would go with him and Julio over any of the other duos. Do they have the depth in the secondary to withstand what is, generally speaking, always like the the problem is is they're very fragile on defense they always mm-hmm. have been and they've played in a division where teams can take advantage of that all the time mm-hmm. 
and I like the AJ Terrell pick. Um, I like Keanu Neal as a concept, but I've never <laughs> seen him actually on the field. Uh, right. Deion Jones is is terrific, but again, hurt a decent amount. The, the distant and, memory and concept of him still lives and on. Grady Jarrett's awesome, like yeah. one of the best interior players in all of the game. So, like, if things go well, yeah, Demonte Casey's awesome too. But like Calvin Ridley, awesome. I'm sorry, but if if Keanu Neal is on is on the active roster after week three. <laughs> I'll buy you a steak, George. I don't. I, I, I'm like. I'm a little. I'm a little worried about that because there is no other division that could take advantage of that more than the NFC South. As long as it's not a steak in Indianapolis, where they refuse to cook things. Uh, the Falcons, well. to me, it's like the old line: like life is what happens when you're making other plans. Like <laughs> the Falcons are constructed with a bunch of good ideas. And then, like you said, Deion Jones, Keanu Neal, all these guys, life happens, and then they get sidetracked. I do think Dirk Cutter, Dan Quinn, they've talked about getting back to the play action, you know, adapting the run game a little bit. I, I just think there's a path forward for this team, and I'm, I cannot believe we're all so in. This seems like a bad sign. It's a terrible sign, but if there were two other people that I had to uh, ride on the sleigh straight down into hell with, uh, this would be the <laughs> so welcome uh panthers five and a half uh some people apparently buying into matt rule over a little bit uh juiced kevin five and a half i'm going under i like matt rule I like some other pieces but no eric i know this is tough for you i understand i can see the pain on your face yeah i i think i think they'll go over and it won't be good for them the the only Minnesota Vikings thing that Eric will outwardly cheer for is the concept of Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, that, that's like Teddy Bridgewater is like the same thing as Keanu Neal. It's like a, is an idea that's never actually materialized before. Yeah, I, I've got the Panthers are um, are my team that will be picking Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields next year. I I don't like so I get what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I look at their draft and their offseason, and of the two teams that I think are tank and you know uh, the the 1995 expansion teams, those are the two teams that are going to that are going to be the worst teams in football this year. Fundamentally, the Jaguars have embraced the suck so much better. They all their draft players are boom bust guys, mm-hmm. right? Their quarterback's a boom bust guy. Their coach is like the 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 sittingest duck I've ever seen in my life. I like Doug Marone and. And the Panthers are the exact opposite. The Panthers are built to win f- six games. They're built to win six games. Bridgewater gets you on the green. He every- does? Yes, he does. Because my my retort to that, and I'll let Kevin break the tie, my retort to that is the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton is one hell of an offense uh, and an offensive system. So good, in fact, that they make Drew Brees look really good. And Ted- Teddy Bridgewater... Is it is it who who coached with Bridgewater in New Orleans his first year? Oh, stop, stop it! Oh wow, stop I, it! I, wow, look, look, I'm their draft was a bunch of of no variance players. Derek Brown, you could have just stopped before variance. Yeah, the, I, they drafted seven defensive players. Their goal is to <sighs> not get run out of the building in every single game. Like the Jaguars said, support me, Kevin. Uh, go ahead, Kevin. I, okay, okay. Here, here's my take on that particular debate: whether who's going to draft Trevor Lawrence next year? Okay, I feel like 
the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to be okay just from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint with winning like one game, maybe zero, okay? The Carolina Panthers are starting to build a culture. Matt Rule is going to be there for a long time. He signed a long extension. And I think that if they do the thing, you know this every year, if they do this thing where they go on a three-game winning streak in December, they're going to be fired up about that. (laughs) Whereas Doug Marone might have been fired already by December. Nobody, they're just giving guys looks. They're just churning through the waiver wire, all this stuff. They don't care. I just feel like it's going to be an attitude thing in December where one team is saying, hey, we can build on this. And one team is saying, like, when when is vacation? Matt Rule's going to be um, spitting up on his art smock, running down the sideline, cheering that third win to get them to 3-10. and 10. Yeah. Be fantastic. They're both they're both going to be bad. I think Marone's like Thanksgiving firing is the difference between these two. Man, okay, I'll sit on the Jacksonville Island. By and myself. only Thanksgiving because their early season schedule is not the worst. God. I believe in Gardner Minshew. Okay, AFC East, the New England Patriots. This is going to be an interesting one. Are at nine. I remember when it came out. I believe it was nine and a half, and I ran to bet the under. Um, the under still a little juiced at nine over under nine for the Pats, Kevin. God, nine is so, Vegas is so good at their jobs. Uh, under. <laughs> wow. Under. All right. I'm going over and I'll give you my reasoning. Cam Newton is not two and a half wins worse than Tom Brady. And their win total last year was 11 and a half. I, in fact, think that Cam Newton brings some things that for that offense can make them um, a little bit better in ways that Brady hurt them, which was he gave them nothing else other than the quick passing game, given those those uh, assets that they had, if you want to call them that, on offense. Cam Newton, at least, is his own asset aside from the other players with him. So I'm going over. Individual defensive players don't move the line very much. Mm-hmm. Collections of them can. And Ooh. I feel like when you look at... Chung, Hightower, Hightower, Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, Daron Harmon, and what actually started happening down the stretch last year, which they went from a team that was producing turnovers on like a quarter of their their opponent's drives to more like 10-15%, if that even goes down more towards league average as it tends to do, like that's, I agree with you that Cam is not that much worse than Brady, but I think that the different, like... I think there are a bunch of interconnected things that could make up this difference. Plus, their schedule's harder. I think that you're looking at the under because of the six opt-outs and just the Hmm. fact that, I don't know. I mean, I I just, I've been trying to play every side of the the AFC East debate for all offseason, but I just, I think the Bills have a better roster post-opt-out, and I feel like they have just a clear path in my opinion. I think less things have to go totally right. And also Cam Newton's health is still, I mean, until I see it, I'm still a little bit worried about it. I think he's going to be a very, very good player this year, uh, but I want to see him doing the football field. So I, I think eight seems right post opt outs, but I still love Bill Belichick. I think he's the best coach of all time. Let's, let's move on to the bills because this is an interesting conversation. I would argue very strongly that, the New England Patriots, the rest of the roster, you know, yeah, okay, maybe the Bills a little bit better. Cam Newton decisively better at uh, quarterback. The Bills' win total is also nine. 
over or under Kevin? Over. Eric? Under. I'm going under as well. So support your boy, Josh Allen. Josh Allen your... is not the reason. Oh. Is not the reason okay. to pick them. I, I, I see Josh Allen, even though he has a higher ceiling on some of his throws or whatever, I see him with a group of quarterbacks where everything has to break right for him to win big, win 11, 12 games. But I actually see that happen. And I actually like the roster there a lot. I like Sean McDermott as both a scheme coach and a culture coach. I think Brian Dable keeping him in the fold after last year is important. Stephon Diggs is a great addition. And I just think that they're going to be able to do enough to overcome any mistakes Josh Allen makes. And I also think that there's a case we made, and you, you, you guys have written about this. There's not a huge jump from year two to year three for quarterbacks. It's from year one to year two. Year two to year three is normally reserved. Uh, maybe other positions have a bigger jump, but quarterback is not one of them. Uh, but I think he can get slightly better. And I think that's all they need this year. Interesting. Yeah. Adam Schefter made the case that he believes he can become a much better quarterback without his accuracy improving. And I mean, I disagree with that, but I think if you are going to buy into it, it is saying, okay, I accept the accuracy isn't there, but unlike Mitch Trubisky, he is a mobile quarterback that we can run 150 times a year, and he does bring the locker room together instead of you know turning the TVs off when he has a bad game. I am a fan of Sean McDermott. I'm a fan of what Buffalo is doing. I think the best thing for them is to win six games this year and move on at quarterback so they can be a real good team. And there you have it. We're moving on to the Miami Dolphins, who are lined at six and a half. And I'll start this one off. I have multiple O's next to my Dolphins at six and a half. Kevin. Kevin, are these your Dolphins being from that area? <laughs> which which are every every team is my team. Okay, gotcha. I, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. They share a stadium. Uh, I would not classify myself as a fan of any NFL team. Gotcha. But I I've, I've definitely. I've been as a fan. I've been to a fan being used loosely, just as a spectator. I've been to games in all three stadiums. Although Miami was just when I was in college. When I was a kid, I went to Jaguars games and Bucks games. It's closer, just geographically. Uh, they are not my Dolphins. However, in the last couple of weeks, I've been talking myself more into these Dolphins. I'm picking you over, Eric. Same. Yeah. Uh- my my reasoning for this is um, last year they had the most valuable quarterback in uh, in the entire according to PFF wins above replacement um, in the league and I don't think that's division ridic- not league. Uh, sorry sorry uh, in the division that would be incredible um, and I don't know that they don't have two quarterbacks now that could very very well be in that conversation um, let's just move on to the Jets because there are some interesting teams that I want to discuss and I don't want us to to drag too far uh, on with these more boring ones. The New York Jets, six and a half. Really, I want to talk about, you know, you know which division. I'm going to go against the math here. Like, I just can't do it. Under. Okay. Kevin, Jets. Me too. Me too. Me too. I can't. Just the tiebreaker between the two teams is the Dolphins are going to win games they shouldn't, and I don't think the Jets are capable of that. The the Jets have gotten seven wins, or Gase himself has gotten seven wins out of four win teams for too many years in a row for me to buy into it again. I'm not not doing it. Yeah. I I would say, actually, I am – so I think that the race for the first pick is – it's it's going to be Jets and Panthers. I actually think the Jaguars are better than both those teams. Um, 
and I'm going under. All right, moving on to the AFC South. The Indianapolis Colts, nine. I'm interested in this one. It is, uh, wow, juiced uh, heavily towards the the over here. Kevin. I'm I'm going with that. It's over. Man, with confidence. Go ahead. This one's tough because I'm a huge fan of a lot of things on that team. They have continuity except at the most important position, though, and, and I, I need to see it from Rivers, so I'm going to go under. I'm going under, too. So, Kevin. Talk talk me into the Colts. Love this roster. Love the upgrade for Philip Rivers, I, but both for the Colts and for Philip Rivers. You know, I, the thing I keep coming back to, and again, this is a little bit of serious science, but uh, Rich Warrenberger, who played with Rivers, was on my podcast a couple months ago. He said that no one is worse in a bad situation than Philip Rivers because he's so competitive and he tries to force the ball. And that's why we get into these situations where he's they're down yeah. eight and he throws the, the worst <laughs> pass you've ever seen in your life because he diagnoses the play and says, like, if I don't put the team on my back, we, this franchise is screwed. And I think you drop him in, good offensive line, good roster, good infrastructure, good offensive head coaches that he's familiar with. I kind of like it. Yeah. I, honestly, for me, the the tricky thing was the price on it and at that at that price i just i'm kind of with eric the one thing i will say is that rivers does something that i that you what you mentioned which is really smart mathematically it's like look my only hope is to do this i don't care if we lose but i'm not going to go down i'm going to die trying (laughs) right like i i'd rather at least try than and you know and just throw caution to the wind than try to avoid interceptions you know and um and help my statistics out um let's go to the titans because i think this is an interesting conversation between the two um they're at eight and a half kevin are you over or under on the titans i think nine sounds right over okay Eric. yeah i think over is probably one of my biggest plays so far this this season yeah i'm 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 with you guys um so Kevin, better team. You think the Colts are better than the Titans, and is it close? I do. Decisive? It is close. I like Arthur Smith a lot. Hmm. I think that they've gone nine and seven. What the last four years? It just so happened that they got hot at the right time last year and showed they were capable of, of scheming up and having the personnel to beat Lamar Jackson. So I think that the the hype around them is a little bit out of whack, but I still think that they're a, a nine ten win team. Yeah, but you would you would go Titans Colts. Yeah, I think Titans to win that division is a pretty solid bet. Um, they, it, to me, I think the continuity there isn't as vast, but it's in the important places, which hmm. is A.J. Brown, Ryan Tannehill, Arthur Smith, yeah. and to a lesser degree, but important is Derrick Henry. Like, I and defensively, they got better with Christian Fulton. Um, you know, they Logan Ryan is somebody I think they'll miss, but, you know, and they need to rush the passer better, but... Like I, I think offensively they're still going to be tough to stop. I don't think it's going to be like, you know, top five team in offense all the way down to fifteen and just yeah. one regression swoop. Yeah, and, and Jeffrey Simmons is uh, a That's right. breakout candidate if they want to get a little more push on the defensive line. So I, I think there's a path there. I, I don't. This division is so hard to call, and we'll talk about that in a second. I'm sure. But this yeah. is uh, this well, is a very talented division. Let, let's go to the Texans because there's. There are a few players in the league that I like more than Deshaun Watson. They are lined at seven and a half. Uh, there's definitely some Bill O'Brien GM hatred yeah. in this line here. Um, Kevin, over under seven and a half for Deshaun Watson and the Texans. 
over. I, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand how the GM hate can be this, uh, this pervasive. It's but, bad. But, but, yeah. And so I'm, I'm going over. I mean, listen, there, there were, I'm looking at three divisions last year where three teams won over eight or more games, the mm. NFC North and the NFC West. And I think you're looking at that with, with this division this year. Eric? Houston over. Houston to make the playoffs at plus 140, 150. This, the, the O'Brien, O'Brien's not calling the plays, which is one thing to think about is mm. when, you, when you handicap this. But they they should get better on defense just but for regression's sake, much in the way Kansas City did last year. I, I don't think the loss of Hopkins is as, is as big as people are going to say. Um, and it's always fun to root for Deshaun Watson week to week. There's we, We've talked about this a lot, which is there's nothing – there's no, like, worse feeling than betting against Deshaun Watson because yep. you're just – you're sitting there the whole game and you're like, man, I just had this uneasy feeling. He's going to get kicked in the eye and he's still going to score a touchdown. The dude just, like, can't be killed. And I – as bad as, as Bill O'Brien, the GM, has been – I actually like some of the things he's done as a head coach and some of the decisions that he's made, you know, on fourth downs. Um, he's gotten a lot better at that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so maybe your point, you know, him not calling the plays even helps in that situation. And I know Sam Monson and I share this this take, which is that there is a chance that, you know, Deshaun Watson's biggest bugaboo is he holds onto the ball too long. And not having one receiver that just dominates your mental space Maybe it helps out a little bit. You know, I know all those guys go downfield, but it doesn't take fast receivers that long to get 15 yards downfield. Um, I have multiple O's. I'm all about this one. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jaguars, four and a half. Uh, this is the lowest line out there. I have. Yeah, feeling, we already did this. I have a feeling I know. So you're, Kevin, you are, what are they going, one and 15? I think they get two. You get, they get two. I'm going over. I'm going over. I love this. I think Gardner Minshew is good. I think I think that Leonard Fournette. The perception is, oh, they're just they're just you know, canning all their first round picks. Leonard Fournette, though, thinking of him in the same way as like a Jalen Ramsey is ridiculous. Like that doesn't hurt their team was, at all. He was a, a weight around their ankles. I look at their early season schedule: home to Colts, they'll be underdogs at Titans, but then you go Dolphins at home at our Bengals, Texans, Lions, Chargers. Now. If all those teams are good, that's fine. But we're but like we're we live in a stochastic yeah. world, right? So like there, there's two wins in the in that cluster of games, and that keeps Marone around Maybe. long enough for them to care. I that's my thing. I don't know. I can't tell if they'd kept Igakwe and Fournette and a couple more of those guys. I actually don't know if I would have felt better or worse about this pick, only because. When things go badly in locker rooms, and yes. there are certain players who want out, thank you. And there are there are two of them I just named. I think things tend to go south quicker. And I think the fact that they they traded Ngakwe for not the value they should have gotten for him, but they traded for him, tra- traded him regardless, and then they cut Fournette. I think that makes me feel slightly uneasy about this under bet. Uh, maybe you get into what we're talking about in that rule situation where everybody is just playing for for jobs the next uh the next season uh in october or november but i still i just don't see a lot of talent here yeah i so i the one of the reasons that i feel really good about this first is and 
this is kind of, you're kind of being a trader here, Kevin, because as a mustache wearer now. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I've thought about this. You are just. You guys got to stick together. Got, there's not many I of know. you out there. And I really like Gardner Minshew mustache aside. And the fact that you're, you're kind of cleansing yourself of the players that might immediately go south gives you a chance, I think, to sustain a little bit longer. The hatred of Doug Marone is unfair. And what they did in the draft. I think Doug Marone's a really good coach. You hate Doug Marone? I don't hate Doug Marone. I think he's a sitting duck, though. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 the players, dude, I look, I'm going to bring up my own playing experience here. I played for a <laughs> head coach God. that got fired in college. The players freaking know, man. Like, they know by week three. And I'm sorry, but there's just a little bit of, like, just, just a little quit. Read I mean, me, I'm sorry. Read me the Jaguar schedule again. Colts, Jack, mm. Colts, Titans, Dolphins, Bengals, Ti- Texans, Lions, Chargers. When when Gardner Minshew has a fourth quarter comeback to beat the Colts, yeah, yeah, he's going to the Metrodome and beating the Vikings. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> <laughs> Want to take a quick break to remind you? I don't know that I need to remind you that football is back in uh, in a week, less than a week. Uh, but you better prepare yourself. And if you're like me. That means you need to figure out how to draft a fantasy team that won't embarrass you for an entire season. Because in normal years, it's embarrassing to be bad at fantasy football. This year is not the year. Um, but I've got your back. PFF.com has everything you need. Our draft kit this year, uh, to borrow a phrase from our good friend Austin Gale, is Herbie fully loaded. You've got rankings, five different rankers, um, plus IDP, strength of schedule tool that is new. Expected fantasy points newer and better than ever. Of course, the same projections that were on the mark last year, uh, plus just oodles of content. So use promo code KICKOFF30. gives you 30% off. Uh, it's a great deal. Plus, if you like betting, the whole betting dashboard, PFF Greenline, is uh, live and has every FPS and NFL game. So, um, yeah, I know you're going to be sitting at home this fall and winter, but uh, this will make it a lot better. So head to PFF.com, promo code KICKOFF30. <laughs> All right, uh, moving on. The NFC North, uh, and this is an interesting one because I know where Eric uh, lands on one of these teams, which is the Vikings. So we'll start there. The Vikings have a nine-game win total. Under. Uh, That's where Eric is. Kevin. Darn it, this is hard. Over. Okay. Um, I have multiple U's by the Vikings. I'm going under. Kevin, support yourself. I think that kind of what we were talking about earlier with continuity, I think that there is enough here where, again, I talked to Rick Spielman a couple days ago. He, he thinks that there's between Mike Zimmer, Kirk Cousins, the veterans on defense, the spine of the defense remains the same. You know, with the interesting way about how they were built is they were, they're an older team. I think they were the fourth oldest team by uh, weighted snap average last year on defense, but most of it's homegrown guys. And so, I feel like if you're going to do the continuity thing, even though the players themselves, uh, I think they were only 16th in Shio Kapadia's um, continuity rankings, but the guys who were there have been there a long time, and that trickles down. And I, By the way, they're talented. I wouldn't be making this case unless I thought they were talented. I think they are. Uh, off, Not cutting Riley Reef a week before the season <laughs> starts was important. I'm glad from, for their sake they got that done. I think they can eke out 10 wins here. Man. Uh, my biggest thing, honestly, with them is that they 
Kirk Cousins to me is not the guy that lifts. He's not the tide that lifts all boats. Um, he's the other way around. He needs the guy. He needs Stephon Diggs seven yards open downfield off play action. And um, a lot of rookies to me, this is not the year to bet on that. They they have to get. They lost three starting corners. They have no NFL caliber interior defensive lineman, which most important. Their offensive line <laughs> is can be good but can also be a disaster and they have one proven nfl receiver and their schedule which last season included like six backup quarterbacks starts with packers colts titans texans seahawks falcons packers lions do they even win one of those games well i i put it at 0.5 (laughs) um so i i like look i like the vikings long term but this season i think they're going to be a mess um Kevin, where would you put – let me set a line here. Kirk Cousins' top 13 NFL quarterback. I think I think just outside. I said a good I think line. just outside. I think, I think like 15. Okay. And I think that if you have a talented roster, and I think they generally do, I acknowledge Eric's uh, – pointing out of the flaws in that roster but i still think that they're they're okay i think i think you, you can get double digits here if adam thielen gets hurt are they just going to go running backs fullbacks and tight ends yeah i mean that's really the are they going to call yeah. you up eric is that minnesota's only <laughs> lost son the prodigal son returns okay follow up follow up question to that kevin uh, that i've been asked multiple times jimmy g or kirk cousins well, I think Kyle Shanahan kind of made that evaluation when he wanted Cousins and then kind of, I mean, if, if, it, if, it, if the narratives are true, uh, you know, he kind of, they kind of stumbled upon Garoppolo, I guess you could say, because he was available. But I, I think it's, it's Jimmy Garoppolo with Kyle Shanahan is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins. But Top unfortunately, out. that's, you know, in a vacuum, I would take Cousins. I, I think, and I, and I don't mean to be flippant about this, because it's I think Garoppolo is less talented than Kirk but I don't think Garoppolo would ever say something as stupid as Kirk said Kirk said today uh and I I think that I think that there's a leadership aspect where the team would rally around uh Garoppolo to a degree that I Kevin I think that the collective that surrounds Garoppolo is so much better than Kirk yep no one came to Kirk's defense. No one on that team came to his defense today. No one said leave our quarterback alone. And, no one said, of course not. And he had Kirk Cousins had to apologize last year when the receivers called him out. Right, I, that's what I'm which saying. Which is a problem. Yeah, say, I'm looking up Sando's quarterback tiers. He actually has Kirk Cousins 15th and Garoppolo 17th. But I thought it was funny that he has he quotes that anonymous coach saying that Kirk Cousins is quote the poster boy for tier three. <laughs> there you go. I, people, the Niners would go to war with jimmy g and uh, that's not the case for the vikings okay packers nine um a lot of money on the under because people hate their draft um over under kevin i'm going over eric do i go all in on the lions um (laughs) 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 if eric goes all in on the lions we're gonna be here until 6 p.m yeah jesus okay uh over <laughs> I hate this. Uh, they're gonna sweep the vikings so over 
Sorry. Yeah, I actually I really struggled with this, and um, I went over two just because I the price is pretty good. It's plus yeah. one thirty, and um, I want to fade the narrative that drafting Jordan Love is like this massively awful thing. And I'm all about the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. I want it so badly; it would make the league so much better. And I root for great things that that are happening in the NFL. So I'm going over. Um, what's your thought on Aaron Rodgers? Because I'm all on the revenge tour. He is motivated, and that's the guy I want motivated. I, I'm in agreement with you. I think Aaron Rodgers still has such a high ceiling. I know that there's, in the analyst community, some, some debate about that, but I think generally he is a net positive to have, even at the salary he has. I think that when you look at how this team is built, I think it's slightly weird that they tried to become San Francisco in one offseason when they still had – uh, Rogers under contract and they didn't maximize that. But, but again, this is almost, it's almost a cousin of the Houston thing where hmm. everyone talks about the decisions they made. But when you actually just look at the 2020 depth chart, it's pretty good. And okay. They could have made it better with the draft or free agency or whatever, but they've still got some really, really good players. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm betting on here. In or out on the floor. Long term in. Okay. Eric, in or out? Uh, I need to see more, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to dismiss him immediately. Okay. I'm kind of. <laughs> I'm, I'm out. I'm kind of out yeah. on the leader of men part of the thing. Do, okay. How uh, about let's let's do a quick one here. Bears. Under. Eight and a half. Under. Under. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now you can get to the Lions. Um, I know where you are at at six and a half. I'd be. I'm curious if you're still going to bet them at um, uh, plus one or minus one seventy, which I think is what it is. I uh, yeah, you yeah. are okay. Kevin. I mean, the, the a win is worth like fifty cents, so I but I bet them over seven. So like, Kevin Lions, you buy under, under. under. I I am. This is a pro Matthew Stafford mm-hmm. take. I love Matthew Stafford. I hope one day he finds football the, happiness. I don't think it's going to happen this year the best offense in the nfc north and you're going under that's correct okay i, I don't i that's just not you got one of you guys was shorting lafleur it was Drew george who yes. was uh, because because he was not a leader of men i'm i'm that's the <laughs> patricia that's the patricia bucket for me i think lafleur is a better leader of men than that patricia but matt stafford a leader of men yeah more more of like a I know this is a weird comparison to make, but more of like a Marcus Mariota type leader where he's not going to give some great Tebow-esque speech in the locker room. He's more just going to go out and get the crap knocked out of him and get up every single time. I think that's the respect he commands in in Detroit. I'm again disappointed that a man with such a prominent mustache would just dismiss, <laughs> uh, just dismiss the type of respect that chugging a beer the way that Matt yeah. Stafford can chug a beer earns you in a locker room. I I like I I do think <laughs> I do think that I do think that that is the one concern that I that I have. I think if if the if uh, Jim Caldwell was the head coach of the Detroit Lions, I think this number would be a lot higher. Wow. Yeah. I'm they not. definitely should have kept Jim Caldwell. Yeah. I mean, if you coach Wayne Fonts didn't even get Detroit. This is like <laughs> like. Kevin, he won three. Kevin, I've heard Wayne Font's name Dude. on podcasts eight times. In well, the maybe it's because he was the head coach of the Lions the last time they won a division, and it wasn't even the NFC North. The, oh man, Jim Caldwell took that dog ass franchise <laughs> to three winning seasons in I four totally years, agree. 
And he got fired. For what? What did he get fired for? I don't get it. I have a take, and I'm not going to say it. Um, yeah. I, 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 I don't know. And, and bless him. I, he's had some health issues. I, my thing is, is he was a good head coach. He, he went 36-28 and 28 with the Lions, and, and they fired him. He, he went 14-0 and 0 with the Colts his first year yeah. before, you know. His, he's twelve games over five hundred for his career, and that includes the time the, they went that, the Curtis Painter like the, year. The, the, the Curtis Painter, Kerry Collins was involved in that yeah, team. Yeah, yeah. Dan Orlovsky, uh, uh, our our friend, what, our friend Dan Orlovsky, all of our friends. Yeah, I, I I mean I'll say this: I think his disposition allowed him to be fired. The fact that he was a quiet guy that yeah. that didn't have if he was a rah rah guy wasn't good with the media. Yeah, like yeah. it would have made it harder to fire him. Um, but what's funny is that they replaced him with the guy who's also bad at the media. Yeah, worse, and it's also not a rah rah guy. Right. And uh you mean, don't... it's not like they hired Dick Vermeil afterwards. <laughs> like Dude, I yeah, it's interesting because I I am also out on Patricia. I'm out on a lot of coaches, but I just have so much faith in Matt Stafford and that offense. Um Okay. The AFC North. The Baltimore Ravens, 11 and a half, the tied for the highest win total uh, in the NFL with the Chiefs. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts uh, on this one, Kevin. Over or under? Over. Wow. Okay. This is the exact same reasoning for the Chiefs, under. Okay. I'm going under. Um, Kevin, I'll give you the first word. Yeah. Uh, same argument I've made for most of the elite teams that I've had going over which is that I don't see a real path besides from health for them to lose six, seven, eight games. I just don't see that. I think that there's a baseline when it's John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, and Lamar Jackson, and all of those pieces are clicking. I think that they, you know, the, the next step is something we've talked about on my podcast. Uh, the next step is, is the deep ball if it gets mm-hmm. there, even though there's some argument that maybe that doesn't even need work, uh, and maybe it's the intermediate throws. But I just see improvement, and I also see, again – it's really hard to be the Steelers or the Bengals or the Browns and saying we're going to devote our entire offseason to stopping Lamar Jackson two weeks out of the year, and then all of those in- instances come on Zoom. Yeah. I, so my my question to you would be, last year they went on a we're showing you world tour because everyone was out on Lamar Jackson, and they stomped on people, and you could tell that was their goal. This year, they don't need to do that. All they need to do is win a playoff game. Does that take some of the juice out of the random middle of the year, you know, uh, road game, and they're not as dominant? No, I, I think that there, I think that that any of that will be offset by the fact that defenses will be flat-footed. Hmm. Maybe the ta- listen. It, some of these coaches think that there's going to be some tackling problems earlier in the year. Can you imagine what's <laughs> going to happen? If Lamar Jackson is going against a bunch of defenses that haven't gotten their tackling up to speed, good lord! I just think enough things <laughs> offset to where they can still be a dominant team. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. don't know. You better I, better get that C do signed. I think I think for them, just for me, it's it's one of those where they. I like this under more for them than Kansas City because they depend on defense to put themselves in positions where Lamar Jackson can can <laughs> control the the tempo of the game with a running and. You know, no Earl possibility for more injuries. No Seth. Yeah, Seth too. Seth's gone. But that um, so more possibility. Didn't even for get it. a smile from Kevin on that. Yeah. So I, I just I think they're more fragile. They're they're good, of course. Uh, the second most likely team to win the Super Bowl, in my opinion. But 
a little fragility there. Yeah. I mean, they, they just led um, so frequently in those games. I'm, I'm really, this is one of the maybe three or four teams that I'm most excited to watch this year. Uh, the Cleveland Browns also up there, eight and a half with Kevin Stefanski. It was, this was hilarious. It was nine last year. The Cleveland Browns win total last year was nine. And if I remember correctly, people were running to bet over and that they would make it to the Super Bowl. We've somehow uh, tempered our uh, anticipation of the Cleveland Browns. Kevin, eight and a half. I remember last year. It was a very strange time. (laughs) It was 10 years ago. It was was 100 years ago. Um, Okay, so I have over. I think that this division, similar to the AFC South, is – top heavy and i think that there are three teams here that have a real chance to win double digit games and the cleveland browns are one of them i'm over okay i really struggled with this and uh i ultimately i went under and i it just felt to me like an eight and eight team i think there's a lot i think there's still going to be a lot for them to figure out and i think we're still a year too early on them because last year to me was a, a setback year where there was a lot of no improvement. And I, I, I just think they need they need one year of Kevin Stefanski and then next year I'm buying in. Yeah, I, I mean, we'll go, go uh, ask the question about the Steelers because I, okay. I personally will take the Browns wins over the Steelers wins. Okay, Steelers. Um, it's nine and a half. Is that right? It is. Man. Because I've taken it under. Uh, Kevin. So my concern here is that I have two top-heavy divisions, and they actually play each other. And at some point, there just stops being enough wins to go around. Right. I think it's hugely valuable when you get to learn a ton about your team in a season. Like, the Browns got to figure out exactly what was wrong with them last year as the, the wheels came off the wagon, right? The Steelers got to see a season without Ben Roethlisberger – and figure out what to do next from it now they get Ben Roethlisberger back. I like them as a playoff team, but I'm just starting to worry about the wins. I'm going under, I think, nine wins, and I think that they, they're in the mix for that last playoff spot. They led the league a season ago, and the percentage of drives that ended in a turnover, they had almost no injuries on the defense after Minka Fitzpatrick showed up. And they got pretty good years out of their pass rush, which I think – might be a product of their schedule cleveland has a top five schedule in terms of simple easiness mm-hmm. in the league pittsburgh more in the middle of the pack i think they're the i think they're kind of comfortably at eight wins nine wins yeah i would be like definitely betting the under here except that it's um the odds aren't great what i found really interesting was that their win total last year was nine and i'm kind of trying to figure out it, why that it's higher this year because the browns have improved the Bengals have improved they showed a great deal of yes yeah. they overcame adversity but that there were a lot of things there like turnovers yeah. which are going to regress and that's adversity they're gonna have to overcome that's right i mean i think people you're right i think kevin you said this on the on the show maybe when we were on uh, on your show but it's like they showed a lot of heart i think you know i think tomlin went possibly from a coach that could have been on his way out he's already he's approaching or i think eclipse bill cowers tenure in in, mm-hmm. in pittsburgh already mm-hmm. like there was a, a path for him to be on the way out last year and i think the way that they won eight of the middle 10 games of the year and it's like you know i think people are buying into that way more 
with Roethlisberger coming back and less so looking at sort of the noise that was associated with him, as well as the last time we saw Big Ben, he had Antonio Brown. He was bigger. Yeah, he had Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster. Now he's got kind of a regressed Smith-Schuster, no Brown. Yeah, I, I, the defensive regression for me is, is what it's all about. Okay, the Bengals, five and a half. Um, over is juiced. Yeah, our Cincinnati Bengals. Kevin, this is the beautiful Cincinnati Bengals uh, practice field. This is Cincinnati here. You intrigued? How, how are they looking? <laughs> I, it, I actually can see them from my office, which is also my studio in uh, Cincinnati. And um, having watched them live, I can tell you, you know, people don't, uh, that don't get to watch them live wouldn't know this. But seeing them live, I can tell there's a crispness and a leadership quality to Burrow. Um, they look great. Yeah, they look fantastic. Yeah. Five and a half. I'm, go- I'm going under... In the, in the same way, I'm going under with the Jaguars, which I don't hate everything about them. Why do you hate Joe love, Burrow? I love Joe Burrow. I love Joe Burrow. I love the thought they're putting into that team and building it, and, and I like the pieces. But I think there's a lot of talent in that division, and I think that I don't want to be playing the Baltimore Ravens or the Browns or the Steelers because they have better rosters, and I just start to worry about where the wins are coming from. Here's a hot take for this year. Tyler Boyd is going to challenge for some he's top Tyler Boyd might have top five to ten receiver stats this year hmm. um he was he's been one of the most underrated players in the league for the last few years with bad quarterback play he excels from the slot and that was you know the Justin Jefferson routes were really what Burrow excelled with when he was at LSU I think their offensive line certainly needs work but the skill positions there as well as the changes they've made in the secondary. I think they're a fundamentally better team. Here's I have a similarly hot take on, on the Bengals. To me, Joe Burrow has the best uh, rookie season um, since Russell Wilson may be better. Um, and the reason I believe that is that, yeah, I get that the offensive line is bad. The offensive line at LSU, sneaky, wasn't that great. And there, this is the guy that I want when I have a bad offensive line. He's smart. He'll get the ball out quickly when he needs to. And he's sneaky athletic. And I really like the weapons there. Um, so I'm, I'm going over with uh, my hometown Bengals. Mostly because I want some excitement. Last year, Kevin, when I would be heading to the office on a Sunday, um, you know, right before the 1 p.m. games, the, my, you can see my... Uh, us apartment building Russia over there from your house. yes <laughs> and uh there were 10 to 1 more people walking away from the stadium to the bar uh than there amazing. were walking to the stadium it's incredible amazing all right the moment we've all been waiting for the second moment we've all been waiting for after the falcons the nfc west san francisco 49ers 10 and a half uh it was eight and a half last year they obviously outperformed that substantially um where are you going with this kevin I think 10 wins sounds right. I'm going to go the under. Eric? With you. Under. Yeah, I, I'm under, and this is one that um, that I did bet earlier. And I am, I'm actually worried about the 49ers. Oh! Um, yeah. I, I'm officially, like, really – I mean, I, I'm a fairly logical fan. I'm legitimately worried. Um, I, I think defensive regression just happens. Um, Richard Sherman, as much as I love him, he is – is not getting younger, certainly, right? At some point, I think he went all in last year. Um, and the other corner is a real question. Um, and they are getting hit with 
with injuries on the offensive side of the ball. So as brilliant as Kyle Shanahan is, to me, ten and a half is just way too high. I would be I would take ten wins. Kevin, you give me ten wins right now. I am grabbing them and running. I'm surprised by that. I I, I think that Shanahan is kind of in that Andy Reid zone for me where I just think there's a baseline of competence he's always going to have. The difference, obviously, is we've seen Shanahan in some awful situations, but when Garoppolo got hurt, for instance, and he's got, you know, Mullins and and Beathard and and those guys. And I just – I think that they can't win less than nine games. Um, I think it's nine or ten. I just think that – I love that. What? They can't win less than nine games. I I think with their roster is currently constructed – the only thing that can prevent them from going under 500 or over 500 is, is help. Okay. I, and and ma- maybe, maybe, maybe we're already on, on yeah. the path to that because, you know, DJ Debo Samuel's out with the first couple of weeks of the season. I, mean, I don't know. Richard Sherman obviously has battled injuries the last handful of years, um, but obviously he was incredible last year. And I, I think he'll stay on the field this year. I'm just saying uh, they got beat up pretty bad last year with injuries. And I, I, when I was mm-hmm. in San Francisco last year doing the George Kittle piece, there are people saying to me like, man, Western Richburg, that is a huge injury. I don't yeah, know what's yeah. going to happen now. And then they overcame it. And so I think the depth they have, the coaching they have, the scheme they have, the stars they have who are able to overcome certain things. I think you're looking at a 10 win division winner. And I think a Super Bowl contender. I, so I am going under, I do think I do like the 10 wins. And if they win 10 games, my, I think it's because Jimmy G gets into the top 10. Uh, from a quarterbacking perspective and to me um, and it's partially because of Shanahan my belief in Shanahan but um, I'm all aboard for the same reasons that I'm all off the Kirk Cousins thing I am on the Jimmy G thing and the Niners have a very easy schedule in the first six weeks and I think it's similar from last season yeah so I I think the Cardinals are going to be better than they were last year and I think there were three not not three over 500 teams last year in that division. I don't think that necessarily changes all that much this yeah. year. I just worry again where the wins are going to come from if they're going to rattle off 13 to 14 wins. It's not like last year. Yeah. I think the Cardinals are going to be a little more competitive. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the the thing is is they got lucky in that their injuries happened yeah. during an easier stretch. But to your point, let's talk about the Cardinals. Where seven and a half. Seven and a half. Go. I think this is the right. – go ahead, Kevin. I I'll, I want to hear what you uh, say first. I'm going to say under, but I also think that they're going to play like a team that can win any game and Kyler Murray is going to play unbelievably. I just don't see – when I think about the jumps we've seen from year one to year two, whether that's Mahomes who wasn't even a full-time starter in his first year but then won the MVP in his second year, or Lamar Jackson who took over halfway through and then won the MVP in his second year. When I think about Kyler Murray, the difference is I just don't see the same infrastructure. Kansas City and Baltimore are just yep. two of the best franchises in the NFL. The Cardinals are not. So we might see a, a, a thing we haven't seen in a little bit, which is a player play like an MVP in their second year and do so for a, a six-win team. Seven- and nine-win team. I, I feel exactly the same. I Same. I, like, I both like plus 240 to make the playoffs. I think that's mispriced. But I also like under. I think I think there's a couple. There's a little middle there. Yeah, yeah. Well, not a little not, middle, sorry, but yeah. it's they're 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 unevenly priced. Yeah, I'm an idiot. Um, okay, I, I'm curious where the, uh, the Seahawks. So I said um, last week that in in one of my bold predictions, the Seahawks are are uh, in the Super Bowl, 
and it's it's kind of a reverse jinx, but I actually I see the path here. And based on how well Russell Wilson played last year, Tyler Lockett getting hurt at the end of the year, I thought really hurt them, like really hurt them. And Jamal Adams, you know, I don't agree with the trade. I wouldn't have made the trade. But in one year, I can definitely see people going, see, this is why they made the trade. So Seahawks, nine and a half, I guess I told you, I think they go over, Kevin. I agree with you. I agree with you, Eric. I'll get to my reasoning. I don't. I don't want to. I, I was going to launch. I was going to launch into a less uh, let Russ cook thing, and then I realized that <laughs> we were going to be here for an hour if I did that. So I just said Eric and stepped away. Yeah, cool down. I just think, man, I I say under just because I think the likelihood that the Seahawks play calling staying the same is higher than the likelihood that Russell Wilson's brilliance stays the same. Fair. Okay, Kevin. Let him cook. So. I think that if we're outlining the teams that can be successful this year, the Seahawks are the type of team that would. Established quarterback who can make plays, who can solve problems on the fly, a coach who understands how to build a team very quickly and has adapted. Remember, Pete Carroll, a lot of times, these guys who have been good coaches for 20 years, they're so adaptable because Mm -hmm. the, the rules of the sport have changed so much. When these guys first started to come in, in the 80s or 90s or in the 70s yeah. in some cases you could do whatever you wanted and then it would get you know a little bit more limited a little bit more limited and all of a sudden if someone like Pete Carroll probably had to change their training camp regimen a million times and so 14 pounds of practices are just not a big deal you can figure that out and they have they have established veterans on the roster kind of what we we're talking about so I think it comes down to if they're comfortable with the philosophy change on offense and they let sorry to say Russ Cook and let him just get solve the problems he's capable of solving in a very mm-hmm. weird year, and I'm I, I think they might open it up a little bit more. And if they do, I, I think you're looking at, at at probably ten minutes. My thought on that is because I've said this. Okay, they have Jamal Adams. They have a better defense. They decide to run the ball more, mm-hmm. but maybe it, they look at it the totally different way and they go, you know what? Our defense can help us even if Russell throws an interception here or there. Let's just go for it. We saw the Niners last year go and just dominate the division, you know, and, and I know those games with them are close, but like, let's not come down to those last, you know, couple of plays with the Niners. Let's go out and win a bunch of games. Um, and that's my nightmare. So uh, it's probably going to come true. Um, let's go to the Rams. Eight and a half or nine. I've seen both. Um, which one would you guys like to do? I don't care what the number is. Actually, I'm gonna go under. Whoa! Okay. Uh, the Rams are my the Rams are my biggest fade this year. Kevin, I'm going under as well, but they're not my biggest fade. I feel okay about them. I just don't don't see over 500. I think seven wins seems right. Yeah, I, I'm going under, and I'm very curious what the narrative is when they go if they go seven and nine. What are we talking about with this Rams team? Because that to me would be a real indictment on the contract they gave Jared Goff and the moves that they've made to kind of put together these superstars. Um, and, you know, I, I'm curious what the take is on Sean McVay. What's your take on Sean McVay, Kevin? So I just talked to Peter Schrager for my podcast this morning, and he's hosting a Hard Knocks podcast. And he's been talking to Sean McVay, Kevin Demoff for this podcast. And he thinks that they are thinking Super Bowl and that they have reset their expectations in a way that 
is consistent with what they were where they were two years ago. And I think after having seen the offensive line last year, uh, I think after having seen just just the weird stuff that was happening to them last year, I, I have a hard time believing that that they're going to reach those heights. And I don't think I think Sean McVay is a very 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 good coach, but I also think that that roster was really good. And mm-hmm. I think that if I, I think that one of the things I did uh, after the Super Bowl, the day after the Super Bowl last year, was I just put up. A poll. Would you rather have Kyle Shanahan or Sean McVay? I just wanted to see the the experiment of it all, and it was about ninety four percent for Kyle <laughs> Shanahan right now. And if you had done it a year prior, it would have been obviously flipped. I mean, nobody would have taken Kyle Shanahan over uh, Sean probably. McVay except maybe our, our dear friend Rob, our dear friend Robert Mays and uh, John Lynch and uh, and George. So there's yep. the three. So um, holy trinity. I I think that there's some. I think that. I unfortunately, I, I kind of made a joke about how Sean McVay was a new Chip Kelly last year because he just seemed to have one <laughs> kind of scheme in his arsenal and couldn't yeah, make adjustments. Eight plays. And, and I, 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 yeah, I kind of regret making that joke um, because I think people talk, took it seriously. But I also think that part of being a coach is adapting. And this is what we're talking about, where you know it's not like he's been doing this for 20 years. He's been a head coach for, for four. And I'm intrigued to see what the next step of Sean McVay is, the next evolution of McVay is. Um, and I think that he's, he's a top 10 coach for me just because I, I don't think there's many humans on earth who could have made Jared Goff uh, that good from one year to the next. But I also think that he's got to have uh, a few more bullets in the gun. I need to see something different. I need to see something other than the eight plays yep. that we've seen. Um, what What do you guys make of the fact that when he became head coach, he kept Fossil around as one of the best special teams coordinators. Mm-hmm. He immediately hired um, yeah, Wade, Wade Phillips. Phillips and Wade Phillips, and now they're gone. And he's sort of trying to establish sort of his culture. I don't know if like his independent culture hmm. is that smart. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of those moves. I don't know. Are those? Yeah, I. That's interesting. I. I hadn't even thought of that, Kevin. Like, I, to me. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Go ahead. I, I think it's interesting. So they hire Staley, who comes from the Vic Fangio tree, and I think that there's a little bit of momentum that he might be a really good play caller, and I think that defensive play caller, and I think that there's probably. I think that this is probably time for Sean McVay to start building his own staff and getting his, his own guys in. Um, I think Wade Phillips is still really, really good. I wish there was some way to keep him in the building. Um, as an assistant, almost like, I, I know it's a little different, but almost like with Gary Kubiak has been in, in, in Minnesota uh, before he took the offensive coordinator job this year where he's just in the building and helping out. But you know, he's 73 years old, and I think Sean McVay probably wanted a, a different direction and quote-unquote culture. However... What we've been talking about the past two hours is that if you want to build a culture, if you want to be Joe Judge this year, it's a hard year to do that. So <laughs> I quite, again, there's no way to have known, there's no way to have known when they're making these decisions at the end of the year that yeah. you wouldn't have been able to meet in person from February until July. Okay. So this is, it, it was a, it's a weird year, but I just think if you're trying to build up your own identity this year on the coaching staff, tough year to do it. Might take another year. It's, it's a shame because I love Jalen Ramsey. I love Aaron Donald. Like I'm drafting defensive players, they're right up there. So I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm against the whole stars and scrubs yeah. though. So I, like I, right. the it's philosophy tough. sucks. Like uh, unfortunately, because we love we love these trophies of players. Like they're 
Like to have an Aaron Donald is one of the best accomplishments that franchise is ever going to have. And yet, as far as wins are concerned, unfortunately, the needle doesn't move a ton with respect mm-hmm. to what he does. That is every single team and their win total. And I think it's kind of impressive we did it under two hours. Like, I, I'm kind of impressed. Like, we could have gone on for a I'm, long time. I'm impressed we got out of the Lions discussion. <laughs> yeah, alive. Like, I'm depressed. <laughs> I think that there, there's, a, there's a timeline in, in the multiverse where we're still in that thing. Oh, my God. I, I've talked about the Lions too much this offseason. Um, Kevin Clark of The Ringer pimped some things that are coming um, from you this season. Yeah, Slow News Day debuts uh, on 9-8, not 9-7. Uh, Ringer NFL show. Jeff Fisher is an incredible guest, and we've got some really cool things coming in September, October, the whole season. Um, the Ringer NFL show, Peter Schrager on Wednesday. Cowboys episode on Friday, Bob Sturm and Brian Curtis. It's going to be really fun this year. Uh, have some announcements coming up by the Ringer NFL show uh, soon, um, and it'll be really fun. Awesome. Kevin Clark. Thank you, buddy. A lot of good PFF podcasts. You know the NFL show with Sam and Steve. You know the two-for-one drafts with Austin and Mike. Uh, The fantasy football podcast, which I'm got not going to lie to you. I've been listening to religiously uh, because Ian Harditz has that on lockdown. He's had some really good guests, done some team previews that have been awesome. You want to check that out. But we've got some new ones coming your way. Unexpected Points with Kevin Cole. It's an interview podcast once a week. He's already got two. Uh, and they're both really, really interesting. J.J. Zacharies and Steven Ruiz. Really good conversations there. Kevin does a ton of really interesting work uh, that he publishes and some that he doesn't. So it's going to be a lot of fun to listen to. The PFF College Football Podcast with Seth Galina. Um, there is going to be a lot of sarcasm, but also a lot of really interesting stuff about schemes and college football um, that you don't want to miss because that's where things start and he's on top of it. Plus, we've got a daily betting podcast that's starting it's going to have a whole bunch of people. It's going to be a lot of fun, help you take advantage of every day, and then maybe even one more that uh, might be the best of them all. So check out the PFF podcast and subscribe. Big thanks to Kevin Clark for being so generous with his time. I mean, that I didn't expect it to take that long. Um, and then after the first division, I was worried that we'd be here all night. We rallied, uh, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, so thanks to him for hanging out. Like I said, uh, Next Monday, I'm going to tell Eric this airplane story. I think it's going to be really good. I think he'll enjoy it. Uh, So have a good weekend. Last weekend without football. See you guys on Monday. Peace out. 